Hello dear friends, I love these opportunities to share with you from the Word of God. And I'm going to share with you now a message I've called, You Can Have a Fruitful Life. It's from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-11. to 11. Now, initial saving faith is the most wonderful experience anyone can have. When we first realise that Jesus Christ is God's Son and our Redeemer and our Saviour and His death on the cross uh, saves us from the penalty of our sins, makes us righteous with God, redeems us and lifts us up to a higher plane than we could possibly have dreamt of. That's, that's the most wonderful experience, that initial saving faith. When we go from darkness to light and we realise perhaps over a period of time or, or for many of us in an instant, we realise we are saved. We have eternal life. But this is just the beginning of a life learning to walk with God. And how we do this is mostly up to each of us. Our Father in Heaven is ever encouraging us to grow close to Him and allow Him greater access day by day of our life. And then for us to be faithful in our work for His kingdom on earth, and that's always through His church. Now, this second letter of Peter was written by him to the early church and to us today through the Holy Spirit that we might be all that God has planned us to be. He doesn't want us to remain spiritual babies through our life. All things in life grow and we're to grow in our faith as well. What kind of changes or spiritual life improvements do you think God might have in store for you? Now remember... This is not about our salvation, as I've just said. That is a done deal. When we surrender to Christ and give Him our trust and our allegiance, we become a new person in Christ. We become born again. We're saved. Our life is never the same again. Now, this message is about our moral and character progress, or sanctification, as the Bible calls it, or just plain spiritual growth, in order to prepare us for eternity. God is all about perfecting us through our life to be his holy people, ready to do his will. Here then is our text from 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. So you can have a fruitful life. It's mostly up to you and up to me in my life. Now, these first four verses I've called build on what God has given you. We've got a great foundation just by being saved. We receive the Holy Spirit. We know we're blessed. Life is all different, but we've got to build on that. So Peter begins his letter, guided by the Holy Spirit of God, by giving his credentials and authority. He says, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He's, he's the one to tell us what this is all about. He understands this more than anyone should. You see, he was a very strange, impulsive, very spontaneous fellow when he first met Jesus. But by now he's writing these letters. He's been a missionary for years and he's overcome all kinds of difficulties and persecutions, and he's a, a statesman of the kingdom of God. So he continues on, talking to people, as he calls it, our precious faith, telling what God has already given us. In fact, it's everything we need. He's given us all we need to be godly. In fact, dear ones, there are so many blessings for us in our relationship with God and Jesus that, that in, in, in knowing him personally, uh, because he seeks to share with us his glory and his goodness. Uh, the blessings just don't stop. Uh, most of us only uh, scratch the surface of all that's available for us in all that God has done us, done for us. He said, it's, it comes through knowing God by his promises. The great promises in his word, the Holy Bible, are our means for change and growth so that we will actually have his very nature, to, in, indeed to participate in God's own nature. The Spirit of God filling us wants us to become just like Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, because we have been set free from all the corrupting influence of the world around us. Our, our wrong desires are the cause of all wrongdoing on earth. But we have escaped the world's corruption. So this is the start. This is... Uh, the beginning of our sanctification progress. So Peter reminds us that there is a great foundation for us to build upon. And brothers and sisters, build we must. Now the second part of this passage from verses 5 to 8, I've called build up every Christian virtue. So Peter challenges us to press ahead as a priority to become the men and women God intended us to be to build effective and productive lives of knowing Christ. Because of this, we should be determined to grow and to build continually towards maturity. Now, Peter lists here seven great qualities or traits for developing. I'll just briefly address each one. Now, beginning with faith in God and his promises, Peter says, add to that faith goodness. That is a pure mind and a heart. This is true virtue, including having strength of character and courage to always do the right thing. That's what goodness means. He says, add to goodness knowledge. That's relational knowledge of God and his word. So that as we get to know Jesus and we, we invest in studying 
and reading his word day by day, we become more prudent and wise in our behaviour and our thinking. Even our imagination has changed. Then he says, add to your knowledge self-control. Now this word self-control is mentioned many times in the writings of of Peter and especially of Paul. That means virtually self-discipline or moderation, self-denial. The ability to say no to what your body or mind wants. Sometimes we talk to ourselves and have to argue about what we should and shouldn't do. Then he says to perseverance, to self-control, add perseverance or long-suffering, godly patience in all our trials. And dear ones, trials are the very thing, as I've mentioned many times, that God sends to affect our character. We should never shrink from them. We should always be willing to say to the Lord, Oh, here comes a trial, Lord. I know you're allowing, you're sending this. And give me grace and strength to go through this and that my, my life with you might change and grow. Then add to perseverance godliness. That is a Christ-like character. Uh, a godly, childlike fear and reverence of God. And all our behaviour that people would notice, this is a godly person. Add to godliness mutual affection. That's a tender and mutual affection. Deep friendship and love for other people, all people, no matter who they are. And finally, <laughs> he gets to love. An unconditional sacrifice, agape love. That means a rapidness to forgive. Goodwill to everyone. Gracious treatment of other people. The love that God shows for us. God wants us to add to our faith, all these Christian virtues and build them up day by day. And we do that by praying, reading his word, recognize what we need and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm just so deficient in this area. Please help me by your grace. We give God permission to do things in our life that will change us. Now, I want to tell you about a fellow I knew years ago. He was a lovely bloke. He was uh, uh, very enthusiastic for evangelism. But he had a few character tr- flaws, like all of us. But these flaws were quite obvious to most people around him. And several people, including me, suggested to him that maybe what God would want to change him a little bit, which is exactly the point of this message. Now, he told me, and he told others, don't try to mess with me. Just give me space to do what I'm doing. I don't care about all this other airy-fairy stuff. He said, oh, the main, main thing is we tell people about Jesus. And, and until he did and whether people are willing to listen or not. He just stuck it to them. In any situation, if you were alone with him and you didn't know him, he'd start to tell you about Jesus. Well, sadly, a few months later, after he was told again and again that he needs to change his life, he had a sudden heart attack and he died. And God wants to change us. There's, there's no place in the kingdom of God for someone who says, Lord, just let me be and do what I want to do because we give our life to Jesus Christ and we say to him, do whatever you need to do to make me the man or woman or young person you want me to be. We turn over our right of our life to him and he'll bless us as we do that. So Peter goes on uh, to say that we need each of these qualities I've just mentioned Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. We need all these qualities to grow in increasing measure. For they, and they alone, will make us so fruitful and productive as we grow close to God in our relationship with Him. People will see that. 
and so that he himself, Jesus, becomes a part of us, both in our thinking and our behaviour. In fact, what we've just been talking about are the very character traits that Jesus had while he lived on earth. He's not only our model, dear ones, he's also our inner power and motivation. God intends for us to be completely remade in our hearts. Because at the, at the bottom of all things, our hearts are the problem. The heart is desperately wicked, uh, Jeremiah says, and, and completely corrupt. Who can understand it? We need to have our hearts changed. And so we shall if we press ahead to maturity in Christ. So in this passage in 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11, we're talking about how you can have a fruitful life. And the first point was that we need to build on what God has already given us. And I've just talked about build up every Christian virtue. And now the last three verses I've entitled Build for Eternity. Peter ends this section of his letter by first addressing the negative impact of not heeding his exhortations. Paul, uh, Peter says rather, whoever does not have these qualities is nearsighted and blind. Without these, uh, without these qualities, without growth, he says, we're nearsighted and blind to spiritual matters. We're only seeing the world and its pleasures and problems. That means we're either being tempted uh, to do what's, what's wrong in God's sight, or we're worried or distressed or depressed or, or just knocked about by the things we see and hear. But without perspective, vision or clarity, this is what's going to happen to us. So, so Peter writes, when you have all these qualities we've just been talking about, God gives us a vision to see what he's doing, how the world is a wonderful place in God's eyes. It's corrupt because of sin, but God is at work. And he wants, to, he wants us to see that. The second thing he warned us about is, um, he says, they forget that they've been cleansed from their past sins. There's even a danger of forgetting that we've been saved and God has washed away all our sins. There's no punishment anymore for those in Christ. If we sin again, as we're bound to, we shouldn't sin as often. Um, we just pray for forgiveness and God cleanses us and he helps us to become more and more like him. In fact, people who disregard the need to grow actually disregarding their salvation. They're forgetting all about the, the grace of God. We're not just meant to occupy time and space. We are here in this life for a reason. So Peter urges us again. He says, strive with all you have. He, he uses the phrase, make every effort. He's already said this exact same phrase in verse 5. Make every effort. And this time he says, to confirm our calling and election. Make your calling and election certain. Be absolutely sure without any doubt. And it's, it's not just because of the way we live, and the, but gradually we can see changes being made. Our, our minds are changing. Our hearts are changing. Our, our imagination is changing. We don't, we don't go after the things we used to. We don't, we don't long and hunger for those things we did when we weren't saved, when we were non-Christians. We have a totally different appetite now. Wow. So that's what it means to make your calling and election certain. Now, God does this too, but he wants us to be certain that we belong to him. And the best way is to be in earnest to live like him. 
Now, Peter ends this wonderful passage by saying there are two clear outcomes if we do these things, if we, if we, if we build these virtues and we're building for eternity. He says, you'll never have a misstep. You will never stumble, is what he says in my version. Never stumble or have a misstep. That was, in other words, you won't fall into errors. You'll avoid errors and temptations. You won't be naive about sin. You'll, you'll be a wise and alert. Prudence and wisdom will guide you. Self-control and self-discipline will govern your behavior. You'll, you'll treat other people better than you treat yourselves. And people will start to wonder, what's happened to you? What's, what's, what's so different about this person? Let me tell you about a lovely young girl whose name is Jan. When she was about 14, she was at a, a Christian camp. She was part of the youth group in the church. And she was very taken by uh, one of the leaders there, whose name was Angela. And one day, Jan uh, approached Angela in the lots of time you have on these Christian camps, and she said, what is it about you that makes you so different? Because I've been watching you, and I, I love the way you are. And Angela said, oh, that's because I have Jesus living in my life. And obviously, she had grown in her faith. And as a result of this encounter, Jan became a Christian. She asked Jesus Christ to come into her heart and remake her as she could see that Angela had been remade. And of course, I'm talking about my wife, Jan, as you probably guessed. But what a difference it makes when we live this way and, and God protects us because we are striving with all we have to be the, uh, the people of virtue and holiness that God wants us to be. If he didn't want us to be, the Bible wouldn't be saying this, but he says, be you holy as I am holy. Peter writes this, and he's quoting from the book of Leviticus, and that's the theme of that book, how to live a holy life with a holy God. There's one final thing, though, that, that Peter says will happen to us. He says, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom, a rich welcome into the heavenly kingdom of God. In fact, that means we'll be rich and fruitful when we enter glory, when our life is finally over. It'll be after a lifetime of living for God, doing His will, and growing in our faith and sanctification. Beloved, all things are designed to grow. As I mentioned earlier, little babies grow. We, we get very worried when they don't grow. And so we should be worried as Christians when we're not growing. We should be growing moment by moment. So you look back over the past year, even the past few months, and you can say, wow, look at look how I've grown. I've changed. I'm maturing in Christ. Beloved, I want to end with a, a rather simple illustration. There are two seas in the Holy Land, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea down south. What a difference between these two uh, expanses of water. The Sea of Galilee in the north is, is uh, enriched by the snow that melts every year from Mount Hermon and all those other big uh, mountains to the north. And the, uh, the snow turns to water and flows down. And, and the Sea of Galilee is always full of fish. It's alive, it's vibrant, it's living. And of course, water flows out of the Sea of Galilee down the Jordan River, miles and miles south, and enters the Dead Sea. And it's so well named. It's, 
it's the lowest point in the whole country, uh, well below, below sea level, and water only flows in one direction. It flows downwards into the sea. There's no outlet. There's no outlet at all. And as we've often seen and read in travelogues and what have you, the Dead Sea is water is so thick with salt that you can just lie on it all day. You can't exactly walk on it, but it's that thick and it's dead. Nothing lives in it. There's no life in it at all. I've told you this to compare the difference between someone who's alive in Christ, someone who's allowing God to build them, to change them, to help them grow, and someone who has no interest in that. Beloved, I pray that we all will continue this journey, this wonderful adventure of sanctification, of having our lives changed by the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. May the Lord bless you as you seek to do his precious will day by day. Amen. Amen.